they expanded our, um, I think everybody noticed Michael was having a really hard time just standing still last week. So I'm going to step, if he needs to get going, I'm just going to step out of his way and let him, let him do his thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sounds good. I know you're like waiting. I'm just dramatic pause here. I just want to. I want to ask some questions, but I, I guess I won't do that. There's a lot of you here. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But anyway, so today uh, we're talking about marriage and relationships. Uh, some of you may not be in a relationship right now. Maybe you will one day. Maybe you're done. I don't know, but uh, we want to encourage that. Last Sunday we talked, we laid a foundation for marriage, and we talked about your commitment to it. And today we're talking about another foundational thing. We're talking about time. And my intro is, uh, that's John over there. Don't pay attention to, do not pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Sorry. <laughs> Wizard of Oz reference. Weird. Um, so I thought this intro, I would do a little tribute to the 70s throughout. It's subtle. It's subtle, but it's there. Okay? You with me? Okay? You're like, oh, who's from the 70s here? Like a 70s model? Okay? Got a few of them. I got a, got a few of them. 1972, Jim Croce released the album, Don't Mess Around With Jim. Don't mess around with Jim. Remember that? Some of you do. Remember that one? That's good. In that, in that album is a song called Time in the Bottle that was not supposed to be released. It was a, a song that Jim wrote when his wife told him about the upcoming birth of their son. And from that, he wrote the song Time in a Bottle that was released in 1972. September 20th, 1973, Croce and five other people lost their lives at the end of a Louisiana runway. Their plane caught, the, their landing gear caught the top of a pecan tree, a lone pecan tree that was out at the end, off the end of the runway, killed all of them. And that's when the song Time in a Bottle was released. And in that song are those lyrics that just is kind of embedded in that chorus. There never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do. His wife Ingrid uh, ran a restaurant in San Diego for a time. It's probably still there. And on the back was a mural dedicated to, to Jim. When asked about it one time, she had this to say. She says, it serves as an inspiration to me to remember how fragile life is and to never, ever take for granted the time we have with the one we love. Guys, today we're talking about time. And as, I, as we introduce that subject I want to just put a buffer in here. And that buffer is this. It's going to be really easy to start feeling guilty. Okay? And that is not the point. I don't want you just to, to start feeling guilty about all the stuff that you need to do in this life. That's not the point of this message. This message is, a, is another point and, uh, about boundaries and those types of things. But I just don't let the enemy take a discussion about time and turn it into another ball bat to beat you with guilt, okay? So, talking about time. Our most precious resource is time. It's not money, possessions, experiences, but time. It's what life is made of, and they're not making any more of it, right? And Hebrews tells us that we each have an appointment that we're not going to miss. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto men once to die. 
So this world would have us believe that this life is all we have. So in this life, we need to do all we can and, and get all we can and experience all we can because this is it. But as Christians, we believe and know that this life is not all there is. And this is our only opportunity for marriage. And it's our only opportunity for our marriage to represent the gospel. It's our only opportunity for us to represent Jesus to the world. So we, we have a different view. And this life is our investment in, our, in eternity. And we also have to remember that God's word speaks to the matter of time. And Paul wrote this in and we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 16, and 17 a couple of times today. But Paul writes this. He says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. A lot of times you will hear, you will hear yourself saying the words like someday or later or something. Like when the house is paid off, when the kids move out, when the, whatever. Fill it in. You're, you're, you're delaying things in your life and in your relationship right now. Okay? But here's the thing. Someday becomes if only if you're not careful. You wake up one day and go, if only we had spent more time together. If only we had invested in this, whatever. And so those kind of things come. So life is about investing time, learning to enjoy time. It's not about trying to wring everything out of every possible moment like the world that believes that your time on earth is all you have. It's about learning, though, to actually live. As, as the saint once said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And it's us learning to actually be alive in the moments that we inhabit. And so we, we, we need to consider God's word on that. So your life is happening now. Your life and marriage can only move forward right? And it's always changing, always growing, always moving into the future, always leaving the past behind. Sorry, I had to do that. It's always growing and stretching. <laughs> That's what he's trying to say. Um, <laughs> couples don't grow apart as much as they simply continue to grow. And if you're not making time to be together, then it feels like you've grown apart because you were apart while you were growing. You, you will be a different person in six months than you are right now. And so will your spouse. So if you don't make real time to be together, you're going to lose sight of each other. You know, we've all, we've all heard that uh, common phrase, um, absence makes the heart grow fonder. But I say often absence makes the heart forget. And when we're not together uh, and we're not spending a lot of time together, we will forget why we like this person or why we wanted to marry this person in the first place. And it's a matter of time. Time can't be saved or stopped, but it can be spent or wasted, invested, or shared. You can argue with what I'm about to say, but I'm still going to say it because I want you to think about it. We're, we're so fond of talking about balance in our lives. But I would disagree. I don't think a healthy marriage is about adequately balancing all the things that are going on. Because to do that, you're really just a plate spinner, aren't you? You're like, I got the kid plate, the hubby plate, the wife plate, the job plate, the insurance plate, whatever the things are, and you're trying to keep those things spinning. I, I don't think that's what life is about. I don't think that's what a healthy marriage is about. I think it's about boundaries. In my backyard a couple years ago, I built two four-by-eight raised beds. I set a boundary, and I filled them with a healthy soil, and I grew vegetables. Not well, but I did do that. Why did I set a boundary? Was it to keep things out? Not, not even really. It wasn't good at keeping things out. It was to mark a place for me to focus. 
And that's what boundaries are about. Ma boundaries are about setting a safety zone to say, I focus right here. And in my marriage, this relationship is a boundary. There's a raised bed around it. And I fertilize ours a lot, but that's another story. <laughs> so it's time to get to know our enemy. Busyness is our enemy. Uh, according to a poll by Marriage Partnership Magazine, uh, couples were asked how much time they spend together each day, and the categories were less than one hour, two to three hours, three to four hours, and more than four hours. And it was pretty even across the board, almost 25% in each category. So, and maybe you're thinking four hours a day, that is a lot of time. <laughs> I did the math. Depends it's on your the, spouse. Yeah. <laughs> It's only, that's only 17% of your day. That's not a whole lot of time. And didn't you get married to spend more time together, right? I think that's why I wanted to get married because we couldn't spend enough time together. So where are you on that continuum? Are you spending less than an hour together a day or where are you? That's what you need to ask. And, um, the, Henry Nowen said the great paradox of our time is that many of us are busy and bored at the same time. So here's the thing, um, why, why is that, okay? You, uh, oftentimes we wear busyness as a badge of honor. I'm just so busy, you know? I'm just like Martha, right? Busy and worried and working and complaining that nobody cares and nobody's helping me. And all the while, she was missing the most important thing. And we often do that. And um, Jesus said to Martha in Luke 10, 41 through 42, she said, he said, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. You know, one of the attractions of busyness is the illusion of productivity. We're just getting things done, right? We're on a run and we're getting things done. And um, there's a secondary gain of busyness that I think we, we all kind of like to glaze over and not even notice. And that is it keeps us from reflecting on and thinking about what's really important in our life. And sometimes those things scare us and we just want to kind of keep running from them. So think about how you live. If you're living in survival mode, you need to take responsibility for your own life. You're in charge of your own schedule and get out of survival mode because that's no fun. We're going to talk about that. And it's very draining. Um, Ephesians 5, uh, 17 again says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So often we think um, that our marriage can be fixed with some kind of magic bullet. You know, and we're living our lives really busy. We have a lot of things going on. Like Christy mentioned a while ago, when, when you talk to somebody, you start listing all the things you're doing. Do you ever do that? How are you doing? Well, you know, I got to run the kids here. I got to do that. I got to go to work, blah, blah, blah. And you start, it's like it's a contest. Like whoever's the busiest wins. Well, that's kind of crazy. But still, it's one of those things. Our life and then our relationships suffer and so we try to give it a magic bullet. Oh, we'll take a little honeymoon trip together. We'll take a vacation together. I want you to remember this. This is really important. Your life is not a product of your exceptions. It's a product of your consistencies. You cannot fix a broken marriage in one trip. Now, you can make, some, you can make a dent in some problems, but you, it's your consistencies and your relationships that are going to produce a healthy relationship. Does that make sense? Give me a nod like you're still here, okay? So we've got to do that. So busyness comes into us. It's an, it's an enemy to us. 
And it does some things to us. It's very destructive in our lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. It corrupts our conversations. Uh, it, it gets us so busy we're not talking to each other. We're not thinking. We're not actually conversing. One national study said that the average human being today spends less than three minutes a day in meaningful conversation. Now think about that and ask yourself that hard question. Is that us? Is that, is that your marriage? Is that your relationship? Because here's what happens. The busyness hits, and your kids are likely just as busy as you are if you have children at home. The problem is they probably don't have transportation. So now you're busy, plus you're the bus, right? And so now your life becomes, honey, I need you to pick up Johnny at the school and Sally at dance lessons, and your life becomes a transfer of information, but it's not a conversation. We're not connecting. We're not conversing we're just employees of the kids or something, right? How many of you, look, at, oh man, that rolled around the room. Everybody's like, oh yeah. That's. And that's not what they need, though. They, they, need, they need parents who love each other. You, you, I said this last week, I may say this every message, the best thing you can give your kids is a healthy marriage. It is powerful. That's right. it, it, it corrupts the conversations and it depletes your passion, depletes your love life. Michael uh, LaBeouf, I hope I said that right. I probably said it wrong, but I love his quote. He says, devoting a little of yourself to everything means committing a great deal of yourself to nothing. And so I think that's where the busyness comes in. We end up spread so thin, we're just paper thin. We feel like a husk of ourselves. And that eats away at the passion of who we are. I mean, God made us... God made us to be passionate people. Now, passion might look different for, for an intellectual versus someone who's emotional, but we're still passionate people. And we, when we enter into a marriage, that's part of the package, that passion that we have. And, and I don't want that to do, we don't want to pay too much for nothing. You know, the Bible says this verse, sin will run rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. And that, so that's kind of what busy does to us. And if I could speak just, just a real hit about the intimacy part, the sexual intimacy part. All the guys tuned in right there. Oh, yeah, he's talking about that. It's good. Peter Ustinov said, sex is a conversation carried out by other means. And I think that's a powerful understanding of the intimacy of a marriage. It is, it is an expression of a relationship. And that's what makes it beautiful and great. It's not a band-aid on a relationship, and it's not something that just has to be there. It's an expression of a conversation that should be grown out of a passion that's in place. And speaking of which, busyness <laughs> steals your fun. <laughs> Life in the rat race and on the hamster wheel, it just saps your energy. And um, your marriage, we need to remember our marriage is based on honesty and trust and plain old fun, right? Do you remember when you had time for fun? Sometimes we plan fun, and then in the back of our mind, we're just still thinking about all that stuff that we got to do, and we got to get back home, and we got to do this and that. And um, so we need to practice the art of presence, okay? Yeah. Be here now. Say that with me. Be, Be here, here now. now. Okay. Proverbs fourteen thirteen says, laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, the grief remains. What if that grief that it's talking about there is just this heaviness, this weight of all our busyness? 
okay? And busyness erodes your soul. We need inspiration. We need to see beauty. We need to worship, and we need the breath of God to fill us with life. I remember just a couple of years ago, Michael and I were blessed to get to go on a cruise with two other couples that we were friends with, and um, one night, the six of us were having dinner, and we were talking, us and this other, one couple, we were talking about uh, we'd been taking strolls on the deck, and we'd been sitting on our balcony just watching the waves, and the other couple was going to art shows and dinners and meeting special people and just all this stuff they were doing, and they're like, wait a minute. I think we need to do some gazing. Like we were, we just said, you guys need some time to go just watch the water, you know. And so we just encouraged them to go do some gazing because, yeah, there's a lot to do on that ship. But God's creation was calling, and it was it will feed your soul. Um, two nights ago, we got we went for a walk. We actually drove to Green River so we could go for a walk. Uh, and along the river, which is kind of funny because Michael forgot to turn his watch thing off. And so it thought that we walked home from Green River, which was kind of funny. So we got a good workout that day. But back to my story. We, we drove to Green River to walk along. Um, there's some walk, really nice walking paths along the river. And we were just walking and talking like there was nobody else in the world. We were just having a good time. And when we got about half tired, uh, we were going to turn back and, you know, go the other half of the walk. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we got about half tired and we were up on this hill above the river. And there's actually like a porch swing up there. If you guys have ever been over there, you know where I'm talking about. So we decided to sit on this swing and just look at God's creation. And we could see two little deer just across the river. And uh, so we're just talking and swinging and I'm watching those deer. And then, oh, there's, there's a third and there's a fourth. And it, before we left our little haven there, there were six little deer over there and we were just watching them kind of come up and one of them went and got in the water. It was just beautiful and that kind of stuff feeds your soul. When you take time to do that, you realize um, I'm not the only hamster in the world and I'm not having to keep this whole ball of mud running, you yeah, know, right. and you back up and you realize that um, God is really big and I'm really small and it leads you to worship. And we need that because we often get spiritually bankrupt uh, and we don't even know it. Uh, Revelation says, uh, you say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. Sorry, Southern. You don't need a thing. <laughs> and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You know, I think sometimes we think if I run fast enough, people won't notice I'm naked. <laughs> right? Okay. We think we're okay, but busyness is an illusion. So, Business is your enemy. It's destructive. And then we need to recognize that priorities are powerful things. And priorities always exist, even if we don't recognize that they exist, even if we haven't admitted that they exist. We have priorities in our lives and in our marriage. God knows that your marriage is a priority. He says this in Deuteronomy. He says, a newly married man must not be drafted into the army or be given any other official responsibilities. He must free, be free to spend one year at home bringing happiness to the wife he's married. God knows that this marriage has to be a priority. Paul reaffirmed that in a, in a teaching he did in 1 Corinthians 7. Now, that teaching deals with the issue of singleness, actually. But he does say this in the middle of it. Sand sandwiched into a priority and a calling and a gift of singleness, Paul says this, A married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. 
His interests are divided in the same way a woman who's no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I just want you to see out of that, there's a, there's a different focus that Paul is going for, but I want you to see that the priority that Paul puts on marriage, even in a context where he's dealing with the power of singleness. We have these priorities in our life. Our marriage needs to be a priority, and we need to learn to speak those priorities. Most of your marriage trouble comes from unspoken priorities, unspoken expectations, right? I mean, you think he gets it? How many of you women have said, well, he knows this? And I'd like to speak for all men. We don't know. (laughs) We need you to tell us. We're not mad if you tell us. It's not disrespectful to a man to say, hey, I need you to do this. And if I could throw this out there just for free, we actually need to be told more than once. We're good with that, okay? A lot of you guys are like, I asked him to clean the garage out last December, and he hasn't done it yet. He forgot, okay? Just, just ask him again. That's all you got to do. But anyway, that's, that's just a freebie, throwing that out there, trying to help the guys out because we need all the help we can get. But anyway, there, you've got these priorities that we need to have in our marriage. You do have priorities. They may be unspoken. They may be unarticulated, but they're there. And as we get those out, that part of the thing driving the busyness is we have a priority that we may not have articulated. We may not even know we have it. So, busyness. The point of this isn't to just beat us up because everyone in this room struggles with it. It's a busy world. There's a lot going on, okay? And this isn't to discourage you, and I don't want you to get to the end of this talk today and go, well, there's nothing I can do. I certainly don't want you to feel powerless. And this isn't talking about living your life as an aesthetic, doing nothing, or sitting at home and, and not having relationships. It's not that at all. In fact, God wants you to have a full life. But a full life is not the issue at issue in regard to busyness. Busyness is when we're doing a whole lot of something and it's achieving nothing in our relationship, for our children, or for anyone else. And so we have to, we need to do a few things. So today we're, we, we've kind of turned this into, we call it time hacks for couples is a kind of a catchy way to say it. But we thought we'd start with some practical ways you can start taking control of your clock. So the first thing is we need to reset, or maybe we need to reset the speed of our marriage, okay? Maybe we need, you know, Michael talked about priorities. Maybe we need fewer priorities. We all know that we need priorities and certain things need to be in a certain order. But, um, you know, how many priorities can we handle, right, on our list? We already have, most of us, these are the basics. Marriage, health, kids, job, church, friends, house, possessions, government, you know, you got to pay those taxes, right? So that's, that's kind of the basics for everybody. And then what, what all have we heaped on top of that as well? You do realize you can't do it all, right? You can't please everybody. You can't um, be loved by everybody, right? So we, sometimes we need to drop off some of those things that we have thought were priorities. In John R. Rice's book on prayer, uh, he stated that Martin Luther said one time that he had so much to do for God that he couldn't possibly get it all done without spending three hours a day in prayer. 
Wow, we kind of do that backwards, don't we? We think we have so much to do, we can't possibly pray. And I know as Christians, we we say, oh, well, I just pray without ceasing. And sometimes I think that means we worry our prayers, we Facebook our prayers, and we never actually cease all that we're doing and pray and find out what God wants us to be doing. So... A good question to ask yourself is how do we slow down a bit? You know, I'm not talking to stop. I'm not asking you to stop your life. But what if you could just slow it down by 10%? I mean, because a lot of times it feels like we're careening down a curvy mountain with no brakes, and we're just yanking it from the curb every few minutes to try and stay alive. How can we slow that down? Lily Tomlin, the comedian, once said, for fast acting relief, try slowing down. That was pretty good. Gandhi said, there's more to life than increasing its speed. So I think the slow down question is an important one. And before the back of your brain responds with, well, there's no way. Can I say something? That's a lie. That's a lie. You, you do have power in your life. Jesus died to give you power and to be power in your life. So if your automatic answers to everything we offer you today are, I can't do that, you're being lied to by you or by the enemy. Okay? You can do something. You're not powerless. I'm not saying maybe you can't do much for where you are in life. Stephen Covey has a great teaching about how that we have these zones that we live in life and there's that crisis zone that so many people live their lives in where they're out of control. But maybe you can begin to make a difference so you can expand the strength and your own authority in your own life. So we need to slow down. And if you're saying I can't, there's just too many demands, um, ask yourself, you know, kind of take some inventory. Are my conversations getting more and more shallow Is the love in your life getting more and more um, absent, maybe? Not just your love, not just your marriage, but it's really hard to love and care for the people around you if you are kind of at the end of yourself, if you don't have um, anything left in you to give. And um, so are we just trying to get happiness, or have we reduced ourselves to a, a human doing instead of a human being, right? Are you just a husk of a person? Um, so here's the thing, you will slow down. You, you can either choose to slow down or it can be forced upon you. And I wanna say, right, too, if your marriage is in trouble, please, please slow down. Drop some things off that priority list and um, focus intensely upon your marriage. If you had a health crisis in your family, in your home, there would be some things that would just come to a screeching halt. And a lot of times people get in trouble in their marriage, but they still try to do everything else as if it's going to fix itself. Please, I beg of you, please don't do that. If your marriage is in trouble, come to that screeching halt and focus where it needs to be. Don't let the busyness give you that secondary gain of ignoring the problem until it gets really, really bad. So we start by resetting the speed of our life. That's something you should do together. But if you have to start working on your marriage alone, well, then, then you start working on your marriage alone, okay? When you have to do that, by the way, you really need to spend a lot of time praying because God can do so much more than you can.
And when you get to work on it with your partner, you also need to spend a whole lot of praying because God can do so much more than you can. So reset the speed. But also, we need to decide to actually fight busyness in our life. They actually fight business. So when John Ortberg took Willow Creek Pastorate, he called his mentor and said, hey man, I'm in over my head. What, what should I do? His, his um, mentor said to him, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now this is a busy megachurch pastor. He wrote it down, said, okay, what else? His mentor paused, probably intentionally, for a long bit and said, no, that's it. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, I find that incredibly convicting for me personally because I am um, a very focused person sometimes, sometimes very distracted, but that's another issue. And, um, and so, and I look at time very objectively. Chris and I have a, a talk we're working on to deal with how your marriage interprets uh, time, your time language, but that's not for today. But we hope to do some date night intensives in the future that we can invite some folks to. That's our plan. We're working on some things right now. But the thing is, you are responsible for your own life. You are responsible for your own life. If anyone's going to think deeply about your life, it's got to be you. And so you've got to slow down so you can think. I read an amazing book earlier this year called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. I think Dylan Bear is the one who recommended it to me. It's a great book. And in the book, he suggested this image that I cannot get out of my head. He says, our smartphones and our social media connectivity have basically and effectively placed us in a room with a billion people. And in that room with a billion people, someone walks up to you and they touch you, they tap you on the shoulder, and you are in a conversation, but you turn to talk to who tapped you. By the time you turn around, they're gone. And then you turn back around your original conversation, and they're gone because they got tapped as well. That's what our smartphones are doing to us. They are putting us in the age of distraction. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, I use my smartphone. I'm not just going to smash it with a hammer or anything like that. Plus that it's an iPhone, so it costs as much as a house. <laughs> in another country but still (laughs) but we do need to realize that we're in charge and so I have adopted uh, blackout zones into my life so my days off my phone goes on silent and I'm a little bit harder to get a hold of in fact there are times throughout the day if I'm in meetings and so forth I silence my phone a lot more more and more I'm getting a little harder to get a hold of, which irritates some people. But I would like to remind you guys, you guys that are older will get this. Do you remember when you had to be home within three feet of a box on a wall to get a call? <laughs> Do you remember that? How many of you young, well, you're older now, but when you're, how do you remember when your dad or your mom got the long cord and then you could walk 20 feet around, but then after you got up, when you hung up the phone, you were all tangled up into it and strapped <laughs> to the wall. You remember those days? I'm just saying there was a time in history where we did not need to be constantly connected. And so if, I, if, if this will help you, then I give you permission to go dark, to shut that thing off and have some peace and quiet in your life to think deeply. I don't want you to lose your soul because you are connected with thousands and thousands of people in an insignificant way. Does that make sense? So we need to decide to fight that in our lives. 
Okay, and we need to examine the why. Why are we crazy busy? Um, Jeremiah 2.25 says, slow down, take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? But you say, I can't help it. I'm addicted to my smartphone. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm addicted to alien gods. I can't quit. So we, we mentioned earlier, one of the secondary gains of busyness is just being distracted and not having time to really think about what's important and to reflect on, on your own life. We need to have times of self-evaluation. What do I really feel here? And why do I feel this way? And rather than blaming other people, we need to, we need to learn to take responsibility and look within our own selves. Why am I running so fast and so hard? And are the most important people in your life living on leftovers? So, and one thing I want to add, I mean, we've talked about resetting the speed of your life, um, eliminating hurry from your life, and now we're talking about making time in your life for for your family and those kind of things. And one thing that obviously um, I would say, because I'm the preacher guy, is one thing we really need to make time for is church. And here's why. I could go and use all kind of biblical references as to why you should be with your church family. But let me just make the point, your family needs inspiration. What, what is inspiration? Inspiration comes from, comes from Numa, comes from Holy Spirit. We need God to breathe into us. We need to worship. We need to do what we just did before this message, where someone helped us into the presence of God and, and helped us stay there a minute and absorb some inspiration, some Numa, some Holy Spirit. We need that. Our families need that. And if I could be so bold to say, well, maybe this isn't that bold, but our kids need to see us worship. You know, a lot of times we approach ministry, especially with children, is that we need to serve them, we need to teach them, we need to do all these things with them. But what we effectively end up doing is we keep them off in separate parts of ministry while we're worshiping. And I just want to say sometime before they leave and go to college where their faith is going to be assaulted every single day, they need to learn to worship with mom and dad and see that mom and dad's faith is important. And I'll tell you this, worship and faith in God will do so much more for your marriage. He's, yeah, that's right. That's right. He's probably looking for her. Anyway, <laughs> I hope his teachers know where he is. Anyway, so, so make time for worship in your life. It's critical for your personal growth, especially if you are struggling right now. You might be in a crisis marriage, and you might be the only one who knows it in your marriage. That happens a lot, okay? And so you definitely need inspiration at this time. So make time for church. The whole point of this talk can really be boiled down into this one question. Are you going to make time for your marriage? A happy, great marriage is not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen because you took a great trip or you even went to a conference. It's going to happen because of your day-by-day investment in another person gifted and empowered by Jesus to do that. And so last week we laid a foundation that said, hey, are you committed to your marriage? Second, this week, we're asking the question, are you so committed to your marriage that you're actually willing to invest your most precious resource into it, your time? Because that's what it's going to take. It may take a lot of work to pull together some time to invest. I understand. But 
The question isn't how to do that just yet. The first question to answer is, am I willing to do that? Does that make sense? Anything you want to add? You have nothing to add. <laughs> wow. I, I can if you want me to. If so you, skipped over, so. Go ahead. So I, I just wanted to talk about time just a minute and quality time versus quantity time. We've all heard that, that argument and that debate. But one thing that we have discovered in our marriage is that quality time usually happens because of the quantity time. If you spend enough time together, um, if you spend enough time talking about nothing, eventually something uh, will come out. And so that just let me encourage you, lots of time together and just having time. Again, be here now, being present in the moment. That produces quality. It's not really complicated. It's really a great marriage isn't complicated. There might be some complicated issues. I'm not saying that it's not going to be hard. But really, the basic principles to make it great are pretty simple, as long as you get your head in the right space. Okay? Let's pray. Christy, you want to pray? Precious Father, we just thank you so much for just being with us today. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your heart, for marriage. And I thank you for each person here. I pray, dear God, that you would take your words and, Holy Spirit, you would breathe on uh, what we've said that, that is yours, God, and that you would just, um, that it, these words would find their, their home in the hearts of the people that you want to hear. To touch today. I pray for marriages, God. I pray for strengthening. I pray, God, that you would help us all to examine our priorities, to examine why we are always busy and rushing, and, and God, to just learn to slow down and to be where we are and to love those that, that we really love the most and those who need us the most. And they're the ones that often, Lord, are kind of shoved to the back and sometimes don't get any of us. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us for that and that you would help us to walk, Lord, in, in a new way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Worship team, if you guys come forward, we are going to have some folks in this room over here to my right. If you need, if you'd like some prayer about anything at all, some folks there. And Kristen, I'll be back to the door and we can set appointments if you need someone to talk to.